I find as we travel around that sometimes the best things are the unexpected ones. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Wandering Works for Us. We are Shelley and Beth, a married couple living in Portugal and traveling the world. These are our stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wandering Works for Us podcast. I'm Shelley. And I'm Beth. And today, we're going to take you on a road trip. We are. Where are we going? We're going to the Algarve. Ooh, it sounds like so much fun. Shelly, where is the Algarve? The Algarve is the southern part of Portugal, located uh, in the south, hence the southern part. <laughs> yes, it is the... It is... Uh, My from, geography skills. It's the entire <laughs> southern edge of Portugal is on the ocean. It's on the ocean. Many people, especially across Europe, love to go to the Algarve because their beaches are incredibly beautiful. There are caves to explore. There's cute little towns to see. It's really close to Spain. And so a lot of people have moved there too. Yes. You know, half of Great Britain, I think, has moved there well, lately. <laughs> in fact, the reason you probably said that is because about 50% of the most popular cities in the Algarve are now British. So it was obvious that we didn't need that much Portuguese while we were down there because, well, most people spoke English. All the menus were in English. It was built for tourists during this period of time because we were there at the end of July. Um, my good friend Carrie came to see us. She spent a few days with us, and we took her on a few little trips around town and, you know, things showed her how we live, basically. And then we took a road trip. Because she wanted to go down and see a friend of hers that lived in Faro. So we were like, hey, we'll go to Faro too. What an exciting idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the hottest part of Portugal in the middle of summer. Yay! Well, and I had been there once. But to be fair, it was December when I was there before. So I knew it was going to be hotter. I knew it was going to have more tourists and be more crowded but I didn't really have a clue how crowded it was going to be. We were also a bit surprised when we arrived in Faru. It was motorcycle weekend. The largest motorcycle gathering in Europe is in Faru in July. In the weekend we happened to be there. <laughs> and Shelley, we even saw something very, very surprising that we never thought we'd see in Portugal flying from the back of a motorcycle. Yes, we saw a Confederate flag. Both of us standing in the middle of the square just watching this guy go by because we were so dumbfounded <laughs> with what we saw. We were so shocked we didn't even have time to get a picture. We just kind of stood there and looked at it. I, you know, I wish I'd had the wherewithal to stop and ask the guy do you, do you have any idea what's on the back of your motorcycle but I was just so mm-hmm. incredibly confused I think at that moment about where I was and what was happening that I just couldn't do it 
So we decided to make our home base in Faru, which is basically the capital of the Algarve. And we, what did we do while we were there? <laughs> well, well, first we took, uh, when we did our drive, we decided to get off the road and um, see some of the cork forests because Carrie, of course, had never seen them, and uh, now they're Hichelli, and they are really cool to witness in person. Portugal actually produces over 50% of the world's cork, and in case you didn't know this, cork comes from trees, and no, it doesn't hang like little berries or something. It's actually <laughs> the bark of the tree, and they harvest it without hurting the tree so they cut it so far up the trunk depending on the age and they roll the cork you know they're able to just sort of roll it off of the tree if you will and then they paint numbers on the tree that tell someone when they come by that tree in seven to nine years whether it can be harvested or not because it takes seven to nine years for it to grow back and cork trees can produce for, did you say 300 years? Yeah, they can live up to 300 years, but the oldest one is 236 years old. Ah, and it's called the Whistler. Yeah. It has a name. So we got off of the highway and went and found the Whistler. And it was indeed a very large cork tree. And uh, you can't get your arms all the way around it, um, not even close. I don't even think you can give it a, get a third around it. We took lots of pictures. There is a blog post just up on our website, which will go with this podcast, where you can see pictures and you can see both a picture of the Whistler and you can see some cork that's loaded onto the back of a semi-truck that's stacked up that's being taken somewhere to be processed. Yeah, we actually passed that truck on the highway, and Carrie took the picture out of the back of the car. Yeah, way to go, Carrie. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> I got to credit her for a lot of pictures that are on our blog this time. Let's see. After that, once we got into Faru, we ventured out to Old Town. And, of course, Old Town, just like any Old Town here in Portugal, it was the first part of the settlement. So it's usually a walled city. So you can go in through the walled city around the marina, and it's through the, the Arco de Vila. And this is the one of the oldest structures in Faru because it was once part of the Arab entryway when the Moors took over or were in control of part of Portugal, or the majority of Portugal, actually. And you can see the old entranceway. They've got a plaque put up, but... You, you just get the sense of how old the country is just by entering that walkway. It looks very medieval. It uh, is medieval. Which it is. And there are two major entrances into the walled city. One is that one Shelley was just describing. And then there's another one that's on what would be the opposite side of the wall. We went into both of them while we were there to check them out. And one of my favorite things about going south of Lisbon, when you just get south of Lisbon, you start seeing these giant nests. And they are 
mostly in telephone poles, not poles, but the big structures that carry a lot of wires. And there will be sometimes up to 25 nests in those big ones. It's like a little stork condo going on. Storks uh, generally come back to the same nest every year. And they are all over. Once you get south of Lisbon, they are everywhere in Portugal. And so if you look on the top of the Arco de Vila that we were just talking about, you can see uh, stork nests as well as other places in the city. And uh, there are pictures on the blog. I'm fascinated by storks, as I am most animals. But um, It was all she could talk about for a while. <laughs> we got to see the stork nest. I was so excited. Well, you know, when you come from the United States and you've never seen a stork before, uh, they've just sort of been part of your nursery rhymes and things like that, but uh, they actually exist. The European white stork is the one that is in Portugal, and they used to just stop over here on their migratory route from further north down to Africa for the winter, but, um, and they would uh, do their have their babies here in Portugal, but they have uh, a lot of them have started staying now. They say that's uh, due to t- climate change, but a lot of them don't go on down to Africa. So you can see storks a lot. Also, it's actually against the law to destroy or move a nest unless it, and I quote, presents a danger to society. <laughs> And even then, you have to explain how it is, and it has to be approved, and the nest can only be moved between September the 1st and December the 31st of that year, and it is just really, the nests are huge. They are just a sight to behold. We went to the Faro Cathedral. So, yeah, as we're wandering through, we run across a cathedral, or at least, you know, in my head, we're running across the cathedral because I didn't know it was there. Did you know it was there? I did, but I'd kind of forgotten about it. Oh, okay. See, it wasn't planned because we were wandering. So, we find it. We're like, hey, can we go in? And it took us a few minutes to find the entrance, but it's a beautiful cathedral. And it was built or it started to be built back in the 13th century when the Moors of course were there and it was destroyed in some earthquakes and on top of it was rebuilt this cathedral because it was a mosque before and when you enter you go inside this beautiful courtyard and the sweet guy at the desk he's a young guy kind of gave Beth and Beth some information while we were climbing the bell tower which we will get to, but he tells you to go in through the sanctuary first and go look through through all the rooms and then come back out to the courtyard and then go up in the bell tower and let that be last. So we went inside the sanctuary, which was amazing. I mean, the main part of it's just all like gold. And the tile work, as usual in Portugal, is just beautiful. All the churches here are just gorgeous. Uh, and Well, all over Europe, really. But okay. yes, the, the, with the addition of usually blue and white tile, it really elevates it here. They also have an incredible organ that is painted red. It's wood, and it's painted red with all kinds of decoration on it. And I couldn't decide if it was 
like Swiss, maybe from Switzerland or what it was. And then I realized it has an Asian motif. And they did that. Well, I can't really remember why they did that, but they painted it that way on purpose for some reason. It might have been an influence of Asians because of trade through there. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember either. We're all just kind of looking at it going, why is it painted like that? (laughs) But it is quite beautiful. Again, a picture on our website if you want to see it. And then as you move upstairs, they have some museum rooms where you can see some relics from different bishops and maybe something from the pope but the most interesting part of this room and i'm gonna say creepy also is they (laughs) have a a section where they have bones of saints in these containers they're called reliquaries reliquaries i don't think i had ever seen this before in my life and so as we're walking through i'm like that's the bone from somebody's hand what in the world is this yeah so a reliquary often is in the shape of the body part the bone where it came from so they had all of these ceramic and wood uh, containers that were shaped like your arm and your hand from the elbow down kind of thing and and they're beautiful they're you know gold and ceramic and I mean they're incredible but they're works of art but then inside they have bone from the arm or the hand of whatever saint it is and it's just it's an old old tradition in the catholic church and then they had some that there was one that was a bust and so there was something in there that was from i presume the chest although it could have been the head i don't really know it's appropriate we're doing this in october yeah it's kind of creepy isn't it kind of a spooky thing and to make things even creepier when you go out to the courtyard there is a tiny altar kind of off to the side that is built with bones and skulls. Yes. <laughs> Those Catholics, man. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that I want you to see when we go to Paris, maybe not this year, but when we go back, is there is a very interesting uh, underground tour where you see thousands of bones and skulls. See, well, that's underground, though. That makes sense to me. Yeah, in a way, I guess. Yes. Yeah. This was built like an altar on the outside. Yes, this was outside. It was an altar. There was there was a statue in it. Do you remember who it was? No, I don't remember Uh, who the statue is. There's a picture on the blog, but anyway, it was just odd. You know, I was like, that's just strange. So then, after that, you and Carrie did a lot of climbing. I actually did about two-thirds of the climbing and I got to an area where you could look out on the city and I basically went how much better can it be another third of the way up (laughs) it was way better so I didn't go the rest but Carrie and Shelly went on up plus that little stairway that gets to the top is very narrow and very steep very claustrophobic but once you get up there it's very worth it because you get a panoramic of the city. So you get to see Faru from one end. You get to see the Ria Formosa out on the other. It was beautiful. I got great pictures. 
it, it's worth the climb. Anytime I get a chance to climb a bell tower, I'm, I'm doing it. I find as we travel around that sometimes the best things are the unexpected ones. Yeah. Like we said in our last podcast, we do like to wander about. We'll plan a few things, but then we just want to go wander around the city and see what we find. And I didn't know what to expect from Faru, but so far, so good. I loved walking around the old town. And Faru also has a beautiful marina. It has great squares and parks where you can just sit and have a beer and watch the people go by. They have this beautiful uh, section of shopping that we didn't even see until the last part of the trip we were there where we actually wandered up that way. We hadn't been that way. So I would go back. I'd go back to Faru. Oh, definitely. Spend some more time. I would too. So one of the day trips that we took was to see the Rio Formosa. And now the Rio Formosa is huge. It's like thousands of, I don't know. Hectares. Hectares. It's thousands of (laughs) hectares. And and it's a national park. So it is a bird preserve. It is a cultural preserve. It is a um, ecosystem to itself. Yes, an ecosystem. And that is a preserve it it's basically barrier islands and sandbars that are along the coast and so anybody who's listening from North Carolina and is familiar with the outer banks will kind of understand that though these barrier islands are not inhabited it is all still wild but we went on a tour of it in a really interesting boat it was a boat that was powered only by solar so it had solar panels on the top and because of that it was almost completely silent it was the quietest boat ride I've ever had (laughs) it was so cool and you just sort of you would just glide through the water and you could hear the water lapping on the edges you could hear the bird calls because ostensibly this trip was to see birds as well as the Ria Formosa and we saw fish jumping it it was just really cool and if you're going to the Algarve and want to take this trip again in the blog on our website we have a link to this company I believe they are the only ones there are lots of people that are doing boat rides but I believe they are the only ones that do the eco tours the ones with the solar panels and it was a great way to go I had been on one before and you didn't see quite as much of the Ria Formosa uh, because it goes slower but it was well worth it because you could really see and hear what was going on around you. And our guide gives you a set of binoculars and points out the birds to you. I just wanted to go on a boat ride. It was pretty nice. (laughs) Yes. But because the Rio Formosa is so large, there are other boats that'll take you out and you can go out to an island some days that can take you out and drop you off. Kind of like they Mm -hmm. do in North Carolina with the Shackleford Banks, you know, they'll, take you out and drop you off come pick you up at certain times 
so you can you can see a lot of fishermen out there. We kept seeing these guys that were out doing some clamming, but you have to have a license to do that. Yeah. So you can go out a little further than we did if you're in a powerboat and you can see the salt flats where salt is gathered. You can also see lots of flamingos, uh, which we didn't get to do. But we have yet to see the flamingos here. <laughs> They're well, like they they come and they go up to the lagoon and people will post the the flamingos were here today and, and that's we'll like go 10 minutes from us. and yeah we we have yet to see the flamingos yeah we'll we'll come upon them one day uh they're really cool i got to see them on that other boat trip speaking of boat trips yes one of the big boat trips that we took was to see the benigel caves that was a really cool trip now, these caves, we were in Faru, so the caves were probably a good hour from us, even by car ride. And so we drove about a half an hour, Marina Villamora, and we caught a boat from there that took us out to the caves. And this was a, a fairly large boat, not like giant ferry, but probably about 30 feet. Yeah. Could carry about 50 people, yeah. I'd say. So it's not one of those that you can move around a lot in. They had these little, you know, seats that you had to sit in your row. They're about three to a row, I think, on each side. And you ride about 35, 40 minutes to the caves. And it, they take you on a slow boat ride, and you get to see the caves along the side. And they'll stop every now and then and tell you about the church on the cliff or the certain beaches that are around or, you know, this was a great fisherman port. And, and remember how there were rock formations that have names. And you get to see all the cool rock formations yeah. that are out there. And they'll say, look, can you see the elephant? And, you know, yeah, there was an elephant see... and a crocodile in the yeah. rock formations. Yeah, and it's a little bit like cloud watching, except it doesn't change. But when you get in exactly the right place, you can really see it. Yes, I think that was pretty cool, the way they'd stop and do that. And then once you get to the Benadryl Cave, they take you inside. Now, I didn't realize how really small this cave was because all the pictures you see, it's, it's, it's high. It's got a big dome on top of it. And there's, you know, a beach there where it lo lo looks like you can do yoga or just hang out. They for actually the day. do yoga there. Well, there you go. <laughs> And so when we got inside of the cave, well, you know, we're in this bigger boat and there are a bunch of smaller boats and then there are all these kayaks all around and then paddle there's boards. swimmers and paddle boards and I'm going, you know, cause I grew up at the coast and I'm on a boat and I'm like, it's a wonder nobody has died out yeah. here. Cause the only way to get to this cave is by water. Yeah, so you can't hike down to it. No, you have to, to swim, which is a dicey long swim. Most people go in a kayak or on a paddleboard that's gotten more popular or in these uh, tour boats. And so now, of course, they've stopped all the kayak tours and the, the you know, stand up boards and things like that. And I, I guess they've tried to stop people from swimming in there. It is kind of getting cooler. But yeah, it they've was just, just done dangerous. that. They've just done that. They have announced that there are no paddle boards or kayaks or I believe they said swimmers mm -hmm. allowed for now. And they have a basically a safety committee of a bunch of people that are getting together to discuss what to do about that. You know, it didn't used to be a problem because it wasn't hordes of 
tourists coming in. And Portugal's gotten so popular now that during the summer especially, people, you know, really flock to that for good reason it is an incredible site amazing it is incredible there is a hole in the top in this dome-like part of the rocks where the sun streams in it is just amazing and there's two entrances it when I went into it before which was in December I was in a smaller boat We went in one of the entrances, stopped for a while, and then went out the other entrance or exit. And there was no one else in there. And so it was quite peaceful and beautiful. Uh, This time it was pretty hectic. This time it was a party on the beach. It really was. I couldn't believe how many people were in there. You you can see it on the blog. Posted a picture of all of these people just sitting on the beach in there trying to take pictures. So since we were on this larger boat, we kind of had to get up and move to the front so that we could take a picture or get a decent picture of the cave. But yeah, I totally recommend going. Maybe get a little closer to the caves than um, than we did. The villa. Why can't I remember the name of this place? That we <laughs> um, well, Villa Mora. Villa Mora. Marina. Marina. Get closer Villamora. than the Villa Mora. And maybe, so the boat ride is not so long, and maybe you can get inside the cave a little bit better. Yeah. We did end up, I, on a, one of our little road trips out, I wanted to see if it was possible to walk out toward the cave. I knew we couldn't walk into the cave, but I wanted to see what, the walk would be so we got our gps our google gps and went down this hill we got to to, to benadryl beach we got to benadryl beach but that was a scary drive because that road is narrow there were a lot of people there were a lot of cars and you kind of had to let people come in and out in order to get there and that hill was steep and so at one point, all I'm looking at is like driving into the water, which is my <laughs> worst nightmare ever. We so did was, not do that. We didn't. So, no. you know, I don't think I would ever want to go down and just hang out at Benadryl Beach. I mm-hmm. think it would be too crowded. I think it'd be kind of scary. Well, in the summer, certainly. And definitely in the summer. But there is a trail that goes to the top of the Benadryl Cave so that you can look um, uh, really over into the hole, if you will, down into it. And I would highly, we did not do that because it was so crowded. But when we go back, when it is not July, August, or the beginning of September, we will do that trail and go see it from that angle because I think that'd be really interesting. I think it would too. I'd like to see that. So, of course, when we're in the Algarve, we have to go to the beach. Of course. And we didn't have a great deal of time because, you know, we were wandering about. But we did have a beach day. And our wonderful landlords, Mafalda and Joao, recommended that we go to Fuseta, which is a small little town with a beautiful beach. But what I think they wanted us to do was go to the island of Fuseta. Ah. To take a boat out there and sit on the island, which is part of the Rio Formosa. But we weren't going to do that. We didn't have time, really. We, we were didn't just have spending time the afternoon. Or the energy to do it. 
So we just went to Fuseta, which was a cute little town. We didn't see much of it, but the beach was awesome. It was. It had those really cool sort of tiki hut-like umbrellas to rent with two loungers, and we did that. So you, when you come in, you have to park, and there's there's a good deal of parking, but it was hard to find a parking place. We did find one. And then you walk up, and of course, there's Beach Bar there. But there's also, they divide their beaches into two separate sections. One is kind of a concierge section where you're renting chairs and umbrellas. And the other side is like a free-for-all. <laughs> it's where all the families have their own beach blankets and they're on umbrellas and they're all, you know, just spread out through there. And we walked up and there's a, what looks like a primary school outing happening at the beach. There were all these kids with a couple of adults. And I was like, oh my goodness, this place is crazy. But you walk off to the left past the beach bar where the concierge area is. And we rented a couple chairs and sat there all afternoon you could walk down. It was a short walk to the water, which is part of the Rio Formosa. So it was inside a sandbar, and the water was calm, and it was even somewhat warm. I was able to be in it for uh -huh. longer than five minutes. Amazing for Portugal. Yes. <laughs> and got my hair wet and got wet and sat in it for a while and then came back up and sat down because it was a very hot day. And we can, you can, when you do that, you can leave your chairs and... Um, tiki umbrella and uh, just leave your stuff there well of course except for your wallet we could probably leave our wallets in Portugal but we don't and we went up to the beach bar and uh, sat out there and had lunch at one point and it was a really great afternoon it was a great afternoon on the beach I, the thing I love about Portugal is they have actual beach bars ones that are on the beach so if you're sitting down, now you're not allowed to take beer out there yourself in a cooler. There's a law against that. But if you feel the need to have a beer while you're sitting on the beach, you walk 50 yards and there's a beach bar and you order a sagrish at the bar. And more often than not, your feet are still in the sand if and you're sitting at one of the picnic tables. Yes, you just. And we should mention beer uh, or alcohol isn't allowed on the beach now, but that came about because of COVID, during the COVID time. And they are supposed to be rescinding that, though the American in me wonders if they will actually do that because surely it's been a real boon to all the businesses yeah. that are on the beach. We'll see what happens. But anyway, yeah. it was a great afternoon. Fuseta was wonderful. Our last little outing that we took was to Tavira, which is a neighboring town about 30 minutes, maybe not even 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes it was, away. No, it was 30 minutes. 30 it's minutes. almost to Spain. We were almost in Spain, but not quite. Right. When I went to Tavira before, when I had been, I actually went ahead and went across the Spanish border just to you know, say I'd been in Spain. It was literally driving just down the road. There was not even, there wasn't a border crossing. There was nothing. Just all of a sudden you were in Spain. Was there a sign that said, welcome to Spain? Eventually, yes. Eventually. <laughs> yes. But Tavira is a wonderful town. It has a lot of 
Roman influence. And I wanted Shelley to oh, see the bridge. Right. There, there was, was a Roman bridge. Yeah, there's a bridge that still exists that was built by the Romans during the Roman time. And I walked across it. Yes, we did. I got my picture made. Yes, you did. <laughs> and Shelley loves all the old Roman stuff. So we had to go do that. Yeah, we we basically just parked into Vera and did our thing. We wondered about. We we were there to also find a restaurant that Carrie's friend Chris had recommended. Now, Chris is a foodie, and he had recommended this great restaurant in Faro that we went to, and we were like, he knows what he's talking about, so we're going to go to this restaurant. Yes. Well, of course, in true fashion, as it is with us, the restaurant was closed that day. Well, as it is in Portugal. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like people... You know, if they have something they have to do with their family or if they have, you know, whatever, they ran out of fish, whatever, they close. And it's it's very different than the American culture where everything is open all the time, every day, no matter what. That's true. So we got there and it was closed. So Beth pulls out her phone and we start Googling some places and we find this restaurant it's kind of in between of where we are and the car. And we start hiking up the hill to go there. And we end up at this wonderful place where no one speaks English. And so you know the food is good. Yeah, it was called, would you pronounce it? Andopashi. Pashi. It's my best guess. Or pesci. Pesci is fish. Fish, yeah. And... They serve fresh fish, and, you know, you eat, you, your choices are whatever the catch was, whatever they bought for that day, and when they're out, they're out. And I can't even remember, did we share a sea bass? We shared a sea bass. And what's sea bass called here? Robolo. 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 And it was delicious. And, oh, wow, it was a really great meal. And so there was, was a fun. woman. There was a woman next to us who heard us speaking English and started talking to us. She had some English, and she said, "Oh, where do you live? How long have you been here?" And you know, like almost all the Portuguese that we've run into, we're just so friendly and welcoming and warm, and so glad we're here. She was so funny too. She was like, "Okay, where are you from?" And we started to say Sarah del Rey, but Sarah is such a small village. That even the Portuguese sometimes don't know where that is. That is correct. So you say Peniche because it's the closest place to us that would be a little bit bigger. And everybody knows Peniche because it's a seafood capital. And surfing and all of that. So they've heard of it. Yeah. So the woman was like, oh, you get the good sardines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, because Peniche is one of the major ports in Portugal where the sardines are brought in when they're in season and oh they apparently are. they're fatter here they, than they yes are they're else. fatter here and the fatter the sardines get before they're caught the better they are the more flavor they have so and I can attest to this I have had the sardines several times and love them they are not the tiny little things that come in cans like in the U.S. they are completely different I highly recommend having sardine grilled sardines if you're here during sardine season when you're in Portugal if you like fish yeah it's funny how our outing like always revolves around food (laughs) I mean Tavira was beautiful we got to see the the Roman bridge we got to walk some of the streets and see the architecture we saw the river 
we went through a market but that was it we were there for the food that's right <laughs> well and uh Ooh, and, oh. and patty cake agrees and you can hear our dog we told you in our first podcast that you might be hearing our dogs talking because they're both quite chatty sometimes One of the best parts of the trip, I thought, was... was the best part. Uh, was seeing friends. First of all, we were with our friend Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Um, hey, Carrie. At, who had come to visit us. She lives in North Carolina. And that was just so much fun to spend so much concentrated time with her. And then we got to meet her friend Chris, who also lived in New York when she did. And he was just so much fun. And if you're listening to this, hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. And he had really great recommendations for the city. But one of the best things that he recommended was the restaurant Otto with Chef Sean. This place is right in uh, outside the old town in Faru. And we highly highly recommend you going there it was so good that we went uh the day after we got there or something with chris for lunch and carrie of course and then we went back again for yes, dinner did, one cause night because we had to have it again and he had fried cherry pies the first time y'all he did i say y'all because you in the south know what a fried cherry pie tastes like that's and right so does patty cake <laughs> yeah and so he cooks only with the fresh ingredients that he can get that day and so when we went back the second time for example it was the end of cherry season and he did not was not able to get cherries, so he had different desserts. But it's just a great way to eat, and he is particularly talented in a sea of talented chefs. And Shelly, spell the name of that restaurant for those of the, those of... A-T-O. A-T-O. So that you know how to find it, and I believe we also have a link on our website. And then one of the other really fun things was we got to see some other friends who live in Lagos and we met Cindy and Bill. Hey Cindy and Bill. Hey Cindy and Bill. Because we flew over with them with our animals on our flight and we went over to Lagos and had lunch with them one day and it was so great to see them. We have some pictures on the uh, blog, as we keep saying. And Lagos is supposed to be one of those beautiful towns in the Algarve. Yes. That, you know, people go see. But we only spent the day there to hang out with Bill and Cindy. We did see the beautiful beach and the inside of a liquor store. (laughs) They have a great (laughs) liquor store that we went to. But other than that, we didn't spend a whole time of time in Lagos so next time I would love to hang out in Lagos yeah go to more and go to more around that as well what else about the Algarve anything no I think next time we go when it's not the dead of summer oh yeah maybe in the fall or the spring so we can see a little bit more we can walk around and not feel like there's so many people and it's being so hot it was hot down there it was hot there much hotter than here but, yeah, there were places that we didn't get to that I would have liked seeing, like Uliao. I wanted to go out to the most most southern 
western point of Europe is in Portugal, and I wanted to go out there. Yes. But that, you know, would have been a whole day trip and a hiking trip, too. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be neat to hike some of those trails down by the caves. Yes, definitely. But not in the dead of summer. No, no. Patty cake agrees. Yes. <laughs> so so we'll be going back to the Algarve. You'll get to hear about other adventures in the Algarve. Uh, we are certainly glad we went, even though it was crowded and it was hot and it was all of that, because we got to spend more time with our friend Carrie. We got to meet Chris. We got to go to some really great places and restaurants, and we got to see Cindy and Bill. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it for now. That is it for now. Next week, we may be on a hiatus because we are taking another one of our wondering about trips. But we will back, be back the week after that or the week after that, depending on how much time we need, and talk about festas. Yes, Patty Cake didn't experience festas because she was at the dog sitters. But festas in that's Sarah right. Del Rey. Boy, that was a big time. That was a big time. <laughs> so we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Oh, my gosh. I completely forgot, and I may need to put this at the beginning of the show, but shout out to Knock, who came up with the answer to our what do you throw out, you know, what do you say when you throw out the waste in Edinburgh? Gardilu in Mary's King Close. In Mary's King Close, it was Gardilu. Yeah, thanks, Knock. Thanks, Knock, for telling us that. Thank you so much to those that have subscribed, have clicked on and listened to us, sent us emails, have sent us little messages on Facebook and wandering works for us we yeah, really I appreciate it i found out on facebook that denise hamilton is listening to our podcast which i didn't know when she's in boston or somewhere close yeah so it's great to hear from you guys and and to know that you are listening to us if you want you can leave us a review that would be awesome but thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen and to comment and to let us know how we're doing. And we hope that you will keep it up. Yeah, we're certainly having fun doing the podcast. We are having a good time doing this. Yeah. And, well, that's all for now. So okay. I guess we'll see you next time. Boatard. Boatard. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If you would like to reach out to us or ask questions, you can find us on our social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can also follow us at our website, www.forus.com. That's www.forus.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Obrigada!